Hello, so this is my WWE Hell in a Cell 2020 review. <clears throat> the show happened last night. I thought overall, I thought it was pretty good for the most part. The three main Hell in a Cell matches all delivered. There's some filler that you can really skip. But overall, like I said, I enjoyed the show. I thought it was pretty good. Um, now, I haven't done one of these. I think the last review I did was WrestleMania, if I want to say. I might have done Money in the Bank. I don't remember. Anyway, all I know is it's been a while. I've been watching WWE throughout this entire time. I just haven't really had the desire to review the shows or, you know. I'm going to try to get back in the swing and do the reviews again. It's just kind of points against kind of where you're like, I don't really want to review this show or the show sucks and you just don't want to waste your time. Um, but... Uh, it's WrestleMania season starting to swing, get into form, so I uh, figured I might as well start reviewing the shows again. So, with that said, I thought about possibly doing, you know, a recap of the pay-per-views I missed, but then I realized that it was probably, you know, like six or seven shows ago, and that would probably be a huge waste of time, or, well, not even, maybe not even a waste of time, I just tell you guys want to listen to me ramble about other pay-per-views for two hours, so... Um, I'll probably, I'll try to recap the feuds the best I can. That might kind of fill in the plot holes and the gaps a little bit, you know, where we're at. But, uh, anyway, let's get started. The first match on the pay-per-view was a Hell in a Cell match, Hell in a Cell I Quit match, actually, for the WWE Universal Championship between Roman Reigns and Jey Uso. Now, um, so a little bit of background here. Roman Reigns was scheduled at WrestleMania to fight Goldberg for the Universal Championship. Obviously, Roman Reigns pulled out of the match due to, you know, he's had health problems in the past. He had leukemia at one point, and for his safety, and obviously he's got kids and stuff, his family safety, he pulled out of the match. Totally respectable, understand. Um, I think he honestly made the right choice there. Um, so then... Braun Strowman would end up taking a spot. He would beat Goldberg and become champ. Um, fast forward a few months. Braun Strowman's feuding with the Fiend Bray Wyatt at SummerSlam. They have a match, and the Fiend wins back the championship from Bray Wyatt, or Bray Wyatt wins back the championship from Braun Strowman. And then after the match, Roman Reigns makes his return after being gone since before WrestleMania. And he takes out Braun Strowman and Roman Reigns. Or he takes out, yeah, he took out himself. Braun Strowman and Bray Wyatt with a chair. It's trash talking both of them. Then the next episode of SmackDown. Because for some dumb reason, WWE decided to schedule a pay-per-view and book a pay-per-view for a week after SummerSlam, which still to me makes absolutely no sense. I don't know why you'd book a pay-per-view a week out of the other one. And uh, so they basically do a contract signing, but it's revealed in the, in the contract signing that Roman Reigns is actually aligned with Paul Heyman now, which officially made Roman a heel, which is awesome. Um, you know, a lot of, it's just like all those years of them fighting the fans and trying to force Roman Reigns as a baby face. And uh, they basically finally turned him heel. And I thought it was, I thought he's been doing awesome work as a heel. And um, I think that for him, 
this is going to be a new lease on life. I've enjoyed all his work so far in this heel run, and obviously I don't know where this is going. You could speculate it. But anyway, let's get to the match, and then I'll kind of talk some more about it when we're done. Um, so, now I thought the match was good. A, qu a little complaint that I would have would be, you know, this dude wouldn't really need to be a Hell in a Cell match. They could have just made this an I Quit match. Um, there was the storytelling in this feud's been great with, you know, the whole family and Roman trying, the whole family dynamic and Roman trying to get them to say he's the tribal chief and he's the leader of the family and this and that. And Roman kind of being like, oh, I love you. But then he's like taking them out. It's, it's been really awesome. Uh, like I said, this is probably my favorite work Roman's done in the company. And he's been here a while now, so however long they keep this heel run going, hopefully it, you know, gets better from here. And it's been great. So anyway, uh, there were some cool, you know, at one point they so they got a strap out and they were choking each other and whipping each other. Roman at one point passed out. Then he came back and he put Jay in the guillotine choke and then he was whipping him with the chair. Roman did a drive-by, which... He did one without the steps into the apron or into the ring post, and then he did another one where he put the steps by Jay's head and did another one. And then he was about to take him out with the steps when Jimmy Uso ran in and kind of laid on top of his brother to try to protect him and save him. And um, so then they're kind of like this, this, this little moment where. Uh, Roman's like, I don't even know what I'm doing, like, who I am anymore, and, you know, G Jimmy says, like, you know, we got your back, we're family, like, how can you do this to your family, and then all of a sudden, uh, it looks like they're, Roman's actually crying, which I was like, damn, this is awesome, like, just make himself cry on the spot like that, that's pretty cool, and the storytelling was great, and then all of a sudden, Roman put him in the guillotine choke, and then Jey Uso quit, out to protect his brother so i don't know where this is going maybe they continue it with jimmy uso this time but i'm kind of thinking they'll just have the usos align with roman and you'll get the you know samoan stable that people have wanted to see for a while and maybe i'm not saying for sure because i don't honestly see this happening unless there's crowds but there's been a lot of rumors maybe we get The Rock versus Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. And the only way I could see that happening, obviously, is if The Rock doesn't have movie commitments. And also if, you know, The Rock... Um, well, there's crowds in the building. You know, why would you bring The Rock in in front of no fans? That wouldn't make a lot of sense, so... Um, but as for them, I mean, there was also a match on SmackDown a few weeks ago where Goldberg or Roman Reigns fought Braun Strowman for the Universal title and Goldberg was in the little virtual crowd. So maybe they'll set up a match with Goldberg and Roman Reigns down the road, which oh, I hope it ain't at WrestleMania. If they just do that at the Royal Rumble, that would probably be better because obviously Goldberg's contractually obligated. He confirmed in an interview a few months back to wrestle two matches a year for WWE and he's already done two this year or in 2020 so I'm assuming his first one back might be the Rumble 2021 uh, or maybe if they do a Saudi Arabia show I'm not sure but uh, I just hope they don't do that match at WrestleMania because I mean they were going to do it this year but it, Goldberg isn't good so 
Um, but yeah, overall, like I said, I enjoyed it. I thought the match was pretty solid. Um, where they go from here with Roman, like I said, it's probably going to be Goldberg or The Rock, but like you need a gap feud in between. So maybe like a Daniel Bryan, a lot of people saying Big E. I don't know if you could build Big E up enough in time in the next few months to have him potentially face, you know, if The Rock can't come to WrestleMania, maybe you would do Big E and Roman or Daniel Bryan, Roman Reigns, Kevin Owens, Roman Reigns. There's not a lot of strong baby faces on SmackDown that would really be able to work in that spot. Um, but we'll find out, I guess, when the time comes. It's still quite a ways away. So the next match was Elias versus Jeff Hardy in a singles match. So basically the story here is Elias got taken out by a car a few months back. Um, and he thinks it was Jeff Hardy that took him out. When obviously if you go back and watch, it wasn't. It was Sheamus is what a lot of people are speculating because obviously you've seen the guy with red hair. So it's like they're having Elias play stupid like he doesn't know who it was. They did the little like a concert on Monday and um, Jeff Hardy attacked him there. So as for the match, it was fine. It was short like it needed to be. They didn't need to make this very long. Um, Elias, at one point, the ending of the match comes where Elias basically goes to grab the guitar Jeff Hardy takes from and hits Elias, and Elias wins the match by DQ. It might have been better if they just gave Elias a clean win. I'm sure they'll do a rematch of this on Raw, and maybe Elias wins there. But uh, that's kind of a waste of time. And if they just they should just get to the storyline where Elias figures out who hit him, because it's kind of stupid. They're making him play dumb when everyone knows it wasn't Jeff Hardy that hit him. Uh, next was the Miz versus Otis with the money in the bank contract on the line. So it's a little backstory here. Otis won the money in the bank briefcase a few months back at money in the bank. They believe it was the first pay-per-view after WrestleMania. They did the money in the bank ladder matches at the Titan towers, the WWE headquarters. It's kind of cool actually. And they had the, they had to get to like the very top of the building and the ladders. There's a briefcase up there with the ladder and all that. You know, they had to use the ladder to get the briefcase. Anyway, uh, so it kind of feels like WWE just kind of gave Otis the briefcase without planning ahead. Like, oh, my God, we can't get, make this guy world champion. Like, how are we going to, you know, fix this? And so, you know, it sets out where Miz basically takes him to court over the briefcase, saying, like, oh, he's not using the briefcase right. He's obstruction of justice, so an unsafe work environment, all this other crap, which is funny because it's wrestling, so it's supposed to be an unsafe work environment. Anyway, so it leads to this match here where if The Miz beats Otis, The Miz would actually win the briefcase from Otis. If Otis wins, obviously he keeps the briefcase. Um, like I said, this is similar to Jeff Hardy and Elias. It was kind of boring. Um, you know, it's... Basically, there was a point in the match where Jeff Hardy, or yeah, Jeff Hardy interfered. No, um, John Morrison grabbed the briefcase, and it looked like he was going to hit Otis, and then the ref caught him. He threw Morrison out of the ring or out of ringside, and then eventually they fight a little bit more, and Tucker, who's Otis's tag team partner, actually picks up the briefcase and hits Otis over the head. Miz looks like he's shocked, like he doesn't know what's going on. And he pins Otis and wins the Money in the Bank. So the Miz is now at a two-time Money in the Bank contract winner. 
kind of weird. It was like 10 years to the day or 10 years that he won it this time. And there was actually a stat. I've heard some people point out that he actually cashed in the briefcase at, on 11-22-2010. And Survivor Series, which is the next pay-per-view, is actually on 11-22-20. So it would actually be kind of cool if 10 years later he cashed in on the same day. But uh, then there was a segment backstage where they're talking, they're interviewing Miz and Morris, and then all of a sudden Tucker walks up and he's talking about how like Otis gets all the attention with the briefcase, and obviously Mandy Rose and people are like, oh, tag in Otis so he can do the caterpillar, and he's talking about how like Otis can't survive without him, and he holds Otis's hand and walk, you know, and ties it. He couldn't tie his shoe without him, and all this, and then eventually Otis comes in, he knocks the Miz out, then him and Tucker brawl, they break it up, and. So it looks like maybe we'll get, but I think they're on different brands. Isn't Tuck, Otis on SmackDown and Tucker's on Raw? Maybe they well, well, Survivor Series, isn't it? maybe they'll do like a match between the two. I don't know, but it's like, okay. Um, we'll see what they do there. Maybe they have a match at Survivor Series next month. I don't know. Next was probably the best match on the show, in my opinion, for the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship, Sasha Banks versus Bayley. Bailey defending against Sasha Banks. Um, obviously, ba Bailey's been a champion for over a year, 380 days. Obviously, she turned heel in the time, and she's actually been really good. I didn't think Bailey would be a good heel, but she's been really great. Because um, I kind of figured when they feuded, like Bailey would be the one that would turn face, and Sasha would turn on her. But they did it the other way around, so. The roles are kind of reversed with Bailey as the heel and Sasha as the baby face. I thought this match was great. This is I think they've had three women telling a cell matches, which isn't a huge sample size to go off of, but this to me was easily the best one. It was way more it was the most brutal of the three matches, I'll say that. You know, they did a lot of crazy spots. There's one point where I think I think it was Sasha Banks suplex Bailey through a table, which looked awesome. She did a, a bunch of meteoras to her and <laughs> they threw each other into the cage and they used the cage so i thought it was good um so basically the finish of the match was bailey has this chair that she took sasha out with and at the beginning of the match bailey actually lost the chair outside the ring and she eventually gets it back and it's got it's like painted on it she goes to spray paint um sasha's chest and she jumps off the she's gonna jump off with the chair through a table onto Sasha. Sasha moves and Bailey lands through the um, table. Sasha grabs the chair, puts it around Bailey's neck, and is like stomping on the leg of the chair to try to put more pressure on it. And Bailey eventually taps out. And Sasha Banks becomes the SmackDown Women's Champion. So now she's actually a Grand Slam champion, which for those of you that don't know, it's where you win all belts that are active in your division basically so like the men if you win every championship you're considered a grand slam champion the women you know they have the nxt women's championship the raw women's championship smackdown women's championship and then the women's tag team championships so four titles you can win so she's the third one i believe bailey and oscar are the other two so i'm sure eventually they'll give charlotte that accolade because she just gets everything Anyway, I don't want to go on a tangent on that. Um, but yeah, overall, I thought this match was great. Um, the big question is now, will Sasha actually keep the championship? Because every time she does a title defense, she loses. It's kind of, it'd be kind of funny if they went the route of, like, you know, they have a rematch on SmackDown and Bayley just won the belt back. Honestly, they could have done this where Bayley took Sasha out and then 
Sasha had to win the Royal Rumble to get another shot at Bailey, and they gave Sasha the belt at WrestleMania. But I understand why they did it. You don't want to prolong it too long. They've kind of already prolonged this feud enough. Um, I mean, I don't know how people feel. Maybe some people thought it would be better. People can chime in on that if they want. But um, I don't know where. Maybe they do a rematch at Survivor Series or whatever the next. I think TLC would be the next show in December. So, I don't know. I mean, usually they do the Raw or SmackDown stuff for Survivor Series. We'll see what the, where they go. But hopefully Sasha gets a good reign out of this, at least through WrestleMania. The next match was for the United States Championship. Bobby Lashley of the Hurt Business defeating Slapjack of Retribution. Um, To be honest, I didn't really pay attention. I went, this match only went three minutes of 50 seconds. It was just a filler match to kind of get, you know... Kill some time until the main event. Um, they've already killed off Retribution. They're a joke. They can't really take them seriously when they never win matches. So, you know, Bray Wyatt took them all out on Raw. Uh, Bobby Lashley took them all out here. So, I believe Mia Yim ended up at some point getting in the ring. It was kind of funny because they all surrounded Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley took them all out and then the Hurt Business kind of came out and helped him. So, it's kind of weird because they're both heels. It's like heel versus heel factions. And I'm assuming, maybe I'm wrong, but I would assume we get like Retribution versus the Hurt Business at Survivor Series. Um, which if they do, they'll probably have Hurt Business win, which because they've already killed Retribution, they might as well. Even with Mustafa Ali joining them, which is basically not making him look any better, the fact that they can never win matches. So we'll see where they go. I'm kind of, the story, I mean, the, the Hurt Business is actually great. They're really f cool, like a faction, kind of like a modern-day nation of domination. But um, So now we'll get to the main event, the WWE Championship, Hell in a Cell. Drew McIntyre defending against Randy Orton. Of the three Hell in a Cell matches, I thought this was the worst one. Now, I'm not saying the match sucked, but of the three, I thought it was the worst. Um, so basically, the match starts where... Drew McIntyre's walking down the ring. Randy Orton actually attacks him from behind. He's in a disguise. And I give this a... This match gets an automatic starting out at a 5 out of 10 for me just because Randy Orton wore pants. It's actually kind of a running joke because Randy Orton never wears pants in WWE, even if he's not wrestling. He just is always in his wrestling trucks, and it's funny. But he wore pants, so thumbs up. Randy Orton wore pants. I didn't know he actually owned pants. Cool. Anyway, eventually they get in the cage. The match starts, and... Randy Orton worked over the jaw a lot of the match. He's put, like stomping on it, and um, he eventually presses. He's pressing his face against the cage, and um, at some point, Randy gets bolt cutters from underneath the ring. He cuts the bolt cut, uses the bolt cutters to cut the lock off. They eventually climb up the cage. They fight up there for a little Randy Orton gets like, a, I want to say it was a pipe, or maybe it wasn't. It was something. And it looked like he had a red lightsaber. It actually looked kind of cool. And eventually they kind of fight a little bit more. They're climbing down the cage, and Randy Orton throws Drew McIntyre off the cage. And he lands to the table, which people obviously are going to complain, oh, there's a crash pad there. Well, obviously you're going to want to put a crash pad there so they don't die. But I think WWE could have done a better job of um, not showing the crash pad when they show, you know, like the replay of the table and all that. Um, so Drew McIntyre at that point is bleeding through the mouth. He's, you know, his his jaw, Randy Orton's worked over the jaw the whole match. 
And um, <clears throat> eventually they get back in the ring. Drew tries to make a comeback. He hits a Claymore kick on Randy Orton. But this, but instead of being able to go for the cover, Randy Orton rolls out of the ring. And eventually they get back. Orton gets back in the ring. They fight a little more. Drew goes for another Claymore kick. Orton ducks it, hits an RKO. Pens him one, two, three. Randy Orton is now a 14-time world champion. So he's getting closer and closer to tying the record. Obviously, he's tied with Triple H at 14. And then John Cena and Ric Flair each have 16. So um, as for Orton being champion again, I like Randy Orton. He's one of my all-time favorites. So obviously, I'm not going to be mad with Orton being champion. But it kind of feels like, you know... I had a weird feeling they might have had the Miz run in here and try to cash in on Randy, which I thought would have sucked. Um, I just, I don't know. Like, I don't think, I think the Miz is either going to lose his cash in or he's going to cash in and get a short reign because I don't see the Miz being champion through WrestleMania. I just don't know how you could build a WrestleMania around the Miz being a world champion, you know, being the WWE champion or the Universal champion. I just don't see. And it's not that it gets the Miz. I like. I think the Miz is actually great. I just don't, you know, at this stage, I don't think people are going to want to watch WrestleMania to see the Miz in one of the featured matches, you know, as champion. So maybe they have him lose his cash into Orton or Reigns, and then, or he wins and gets a short reign, and whoever he beats for it just wins it back. I mean, I could see him more than likely cashing in on Randy Orton as opposed to Roman Reigns, but we'll kind of see where they go. Obviously, we got um, Survivor Series next month, which, like I said earlier, is like 10 years to the day Miz cashed in, so maybe they do it there. Obviously, the Survivor Series is going to be built around The Undertaker's 30th anniversary in the company, so that's what they're building the show around. I don't think Undertaker's wrestling on the show, obviously, but... He's going to be on the show, and that's going to be the promotion. I mean, we don't even know if they're going to do the Raw versus SmackDown because a lot of times, late last few years, they've done like the Raw WWE, like the Universal Champion versus WWE Champion, Intercontinental versus United States, and then Tag Team Champion versus Tag Team Champion, Women's Champion versus Women's Champion, and then the Raw versus SmackDown Survivor Series matches. But they also included NXT in it last year, so we'll see if they include NXT in it this year. Um, like I said, yeah, I'm going to try to come back on here and start doing more of the pay-per-view reviews and um, do previews. I might do a few other things, maybe talk like recap the week and talk about football coming up as the Oregon Ducks get ready to start playing. Obviously, that's my favorite team, so maybe I'll preview their schedule and all that. Um, but otherwise, yeah, hopefully everyone takes care, stays safe out there. I'll be back in a few weeks probably for Survivor Series. Hopefully everyone, in, if you, hopefully everyone is enjoying you know, whatever they're doing, staying safe out there and, and get through this whole pandemic crap, which I go on a tangent on that, but I'm not going to. Um, hopefully everyone stays safe. Like I said, I enjoyed Hell in a Cell. If you, I mean, you really don't need to watch the show. The three main matches are really all you could watch. The rest is skip. But overall, like I wouldn't say the show was horrible, but I enjoyed it. So take care, guys. I'll be back for Survivor Series.